Hello and welcome to the Andyplex, the podcast where we talk about movies we love with creatives. I'm your host, Andy Majorano, and this is episode 25, The Creep Show Show. Joining me today to wax poetic on the 1982 horror comedy Creep Show is horror writer, director, producer, and also composer, Andy Mitten. This episode is a long time coming as I have been an admirer of Andy's films, We Go On, The Witch in the Window, and most recently, The Harbinger, releasing this December 2022. Producer and dear friend Richard King began collaborating with Andy Mitten in 2013 on a short for the Chiller Network and has produced his subsequent features. Rich and I were roommates at that point, and we've continued to remain great friends and collaborators, and through this friendship... With Rich, I've become aware of Andy Mitten and his special breed of intelligent and ferociously scary horror. So thank you, Rich King, for connecting the Andy dots here today and allowing this to happen. I'm changing my format slightly on this episode as I will be breaking up the program into two segments. Please enjoy my one-hour interview with genius Andy Mitten to hear his incredible journey in episode 26, Smitten with Mitten. And now, without further ado... Let's creep out. 1982, now 40 years ago, a little film called Creepshow came out. Uh, you and I had talked about what movie to do, and you mentioned Exorcist. You're a big Exorcist fan. I am as well. Uh, also a big Friedkin fan. You said you uh, are as well. I actually saw French Connection last night. At a theater oh. in LA. It's only my second oh, time seeing. Oh, do a watch of that. That's great. I was so due, and my God, it was good. Yeah. Wow. Um, but anyway, you said you know, and rightfully so. Exorcist has been covered quite a bit, and there's a lot, lot said. I'm sure the conversation you and I would would have had would would have been epic and amazing and blown all those sure, away. Sure, we would have. Yeah, uh, we would have uncovered all sorts of new morsels. But you know, <laughs> to the future. <laughs> to the future. Uh, but yeah, you said, hey, how about Creepshow? And you tossed it out there. And I love this movie. I remember renting I it. I remember it's the so clamshell. Good. It's so good. Mm. The clamshell uh, at, the, at the video store. And I, I actually, so I originally saw it on TV. And I caught it right from the something to tide you over a bit with Leslie Nielsen. And <laughs> I had already from a young age been a massive Naked Gun fan. I was, my parents had a, you know, back when you used to tape things off off TV, even with the commercials in it, uh, was Naked Gun. And I grew up I grew up on Naked Gun and Airplane, and I I definitely came into my love of Leslie Nielsen from a comedic standpoint. Mm-hmm. And so I remember flipping through the channels, as I used to do, and here was Leslie Nielsen, and I'll, oh my God, it's Leslie Nielsen, and I'm waiting for the jokes, I'm waiting for the funny, and the funny wasn't coming and I'm probably I want to say this was the really early 90s like 91 maybe okay so I was uh, I was about 7 7 or 8 and 91, 92 somewhere in there and I watched it from there on and I think I watched that bit and then the bit after and then I was either called to dinner or, or I can't remember what but it terrified me. It really, really bothered me. It really, really, really got to me. <laughs> I was being buried up to your neck in sand and, you know, waiting for the tide to come in. And it was just so dark. And obviously now I, I appreciate the subtle humor. And, you know, it is a comedy horror. But yes. 
my intro to this movie was just pure horror. I mean, just the whole idea of being buried up to your neck as the tide comes in. Yeah, um, it's awful. It's awful. It's just awful. So, interesting. Okay, so you, yeah, you had this very, like, you came in, like, the side door of the movie, your first watch, and then wrote it to the end. That's interesting. Yeah, that's, that's very the, interesting. That's the third. So we have the rapper, which is amazing. Uh, yeah, what do we crack in here? Should we just should we just go? Should we just go through from the beginning? Um, yeah, I mean, we should say we should say it's you know we should say it's George Romero. Yeah, directing Stephen King script from most yeah of andy why don't you why don't you take ours the andy plex why don't you why don't you uh why don't you leave this bit i'll give a shot but i don't know i mean okay <laughs> so yeah creep, creep show anthology i mean in my opinion the best anthology horror film ever absolutely made best. is creep show and directed by george romero um i think they the story is what they had been talking about doing the stand um and they were trying to like build some rep together and they had the idea to do this so that it would be based on the old ec comics or EC whatever comics, they are yeah um and Stephen King could draw from some of the stories in like uh in, that that had been had been releasing and things like Night Shift and those early collections, and um this whole thing sprang up and Tom Savini is really the the other corner of the the triumvirate here of of geniuses who could come to this project with just incredible practical effects and such like inventiveness, uh it's it's ridiculous. So you get uh well i think it's like a me it's, it's sort of like when you came in you you jumped to the you came to the dinner table and just had to have the steak right away um but <laughs> it, it is like a meal it's like a five course it's a five course meal, meal. six with the wrapper yeah yeah yes if you like roaches for dessert if you like uh, oh my five, goodness <laughs> they creep up on that's you. a whole that's a whole other thing but uh we'll get to that yeah i know so um, much to unpack here i love it but what's rare for me about like looking at anthology horror is almost never the same director. It's almost always like, oh well, this is an excuse to get these five directors together on right. This theme, get these. Like, get, each bit has a has its own. Director. I don't know why people don't do this more often because yeah. this really has a spine to it, and you feel uh, in a great way the the connectivity uh, of things um, more than just the ashtray that now we know travels through all the stories. All the stories, yeah, which I didn't know um, until uh, just recently yeah, doing homework I for today. Know- exactly that's yeah but like that shows you like details like that it it was material that might have been handled in a very b-movie sort of way in other hands was handled really with a lot of care and thought and actors who take this outlandish material and just continue to kind of ground it and give it like weight it doesn't even deserve but absolutely uh it creates phenomenal performances and actors just yeah, like you said, could could be cheesy and co- yeah, che- could be cheesy and corny, but they they play it so straight, play it so well. Don't don't play it cheesy, just play it, give it give it give it its due, and then obviously you know the fun, the fun comes out, and the the love of, and honestly, so EC Comics is something that you and I didn't grow up on. You know, no. we're, we're the next generation, but all my favorite, specifically horror personalities. They all look at that era, and they look at the EC, which would have been the 50s, like right after World War II, and they look at EC Comics with that, that nostalgic glint in their eye that, that we look at those auteurs that, you know, so it's like, for them, it's like, it's, that was their creep show. That was their, uh, 
you know, Night of Living Dead. That was their whatever, even like Jacob's Ladder, stuff like that. Yep. You know, so I, it's almost like a second generation nostalgia for this thing that I didn't experience firsthand. King is Stephen King is one of the things he's so good at. Like you feel that in his books, like he's able to transfer that feeling uh, really well into people who haven't even lived through it. Right. Oh, he's so great. I know just Ramiro and, and Ramiro and King and, and then Savini kind of having a baby together. I mean, it's such a, it's oh. such, a such a deformed, beautiful baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I grew up uh, with Romero um, and I saw Dawn of the Dead first and, mm-hmm. uh, and I love night, but I saw Dawn first and actually my brother saw it at a sleepover party a long time ago and he came back he was like oh my god we gotta rent it and then we'd get money we'd get money for christmas or whatever for our birthdays and we'd go to borders or whatever and get we start buying vhs's and then the vhs collection started to grow and then later dvd but so we had a dawn of the dead vhs coming up and we we watched it over and over and over um and i didn't even put it together that i wasn't really as apt on directors yet but then later i really started to get obsessed with directors and follow them and now i'm you know ramiro is he's uh top yeah he stops i i realized it a bit late this is the only one for whatever reason i saw young of his and then i caught up with his uh with the rest of it later on okay interesting cool yeah i don't know because i was everything was stephen king for me that he was my window into this i was like i was probably eight when i finally wore my mom down to let to buy me a copy of like the dark half like that is a mm. book that an eight-year-old really should not be reading. Um, that was my first king. From that moment on, I was just... That was your first king? Dark that Hat? was my first king. Wow, um, okay. Another know, Romero a, film. There we go. Yeah, that's funny. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I saw that probably a couple years later. But um, yeah, and, and probably The Shining was the first book where I was actually under my covers, terrified. Oh, God, such a good one. Yeah. So anything that... In fact, part of my reaction to this, I remember, um, not to jump over a story, but we Stephen King plays a, a role in one of these stories, and it is the, the silliest, on purpose, the silliest segment of the movie, and he's doing this big, corny performance. And I remember being a little bit disappointed <laughs> that this was the guy, that this was Stephen King. That was the great. Because he had postured himself differently. Like, you remember the Maximum Overdrive commercial? Where he would like the trailer would start and it was like I'm Stephen King and I'm gonna scare the hell out of you. Yeah, and I just I do remember that. Yeah, like the beard at that point, it was like a different dude. And I was like, wait, this is this is, this is the Stephen guy. King? Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill. Yes, which was published earlier. Uh, it was called Weeds. Was um, and it was published in a magazine, right? Yeah, it was published in like one of those uh, adult magazines. Which uh, oh. was another thing that was not an era that I've I've been part of, you know. Right. Where they yeah, would have kind of a... these, uh, you know, kind of like hustler esque magazines, but then they would have horror comic or they would have horror stories in them, and that's where they would get published. Yeah, and it was called the Gallery, the peanut butter of of counterculture. <laughs> yeah, Gallery, yeah. nineteen seventy nine, Weeds. So yeah, that one and the crate. Oh, that, sorry, that was the crate. That the was cr- the crate. Okay. The crate appeared in a gallery in 1979, which was an adult magazine. Anyway, so get him, get so him yes. in wherever you can. So Stephen King was my window 
and I was probably the same age, but it was an earlier year for me because I was seven and eighty six. Okay, um, so that's probably about when I saw it, and probably through the video store. I don't really remember. I don't remember my first viewing. It's sort of like the thing that was always there. <laughs> like I don't. Yeah. It just sort of melts into my memories and is, right. and is there. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's very early, and it's very. It just makes me. I don't know. Like it could go on forever. I just want like ginger ale and like pizza bagels and commercial breaks and like a big quilt. And I'm just happy watching <laughs> yeah. this movie. Oh my god! I, I know. I know. I'm really glad. You, I'm really glad you suggested this one because it, it really it, the nostalgia is so powerful. But then I've I've watched it twice to get ready for today. I watched it. Um, I had a five hour layover in Phoenix on my way back to Philly to go back to see my family after me and Rich wrapped our movie. And yeah, I just, it, it was great. I just watched it on like a laptop and it was great. And then I watched it again here on my, on my projector. And I was like, man, I, even though I just watched it a couple weeks ago, it just, it doesn't get old. It's no. all the bits are strong. The rapper's so good. Um, the rapper is, is really powerful now in that, I think it's kind of an allegory on the actual EC comics themselves and how they were banned, you know, yeah. which um, I actually was in, I was in a, a po- I was part of a podcast that Rich was as well called the horror geeks. It was a vidcast. We'd I remember. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 There you go. Okay. So you know of it. And yeah, there was an EC comics then. episode and I'm our buddy, Barry Morgan, who's, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I thought I was a horror buff going in and then Barry like showed me yeah. so much more and, <laughs> he was like, well, we're going to do a whole episode on EC Comics, and here's a documentary, and he would send me the links, and he was like, all the homework was like, built for me. It was great. It was, su- it was such a master class in horror. And yeah, like learned so much about EC Comics and how they were banned, and uh, but banning them almost kind of made them cooler, and like the, mar- the damage was already done, and the mark was already made. So I think the rapper being, you know, Tom Atkins playing the the father who's suppressing the comic and and actually that's uh i didn't know until i watched the the 25 year documentary that that was uh stephen king's son that's joe hill joe hill who would become joe hill joey king at that joey king would become joe hill yeah i didn't i didn't know that till till preparation for this as well and you could see it now that yeah you you really can i know i was like oh my god yeah there's they have a a familial look to yeah absolutely got that king that king yeah. visage. <laughs> you did it nicely there. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think I just, for me, it's just like, I love how it's just like, it's just like, we're the movie your parents are afraid you're going to see. And we're going to be that movie from the start. We're mm. going to have a kid like say, I found your sex books to his father. Right. Right. And then say, I hope you rot in hell with a demonic under, like that is exact, just as, as sort of, mischievous as you can be at the top and i i love it i love when it switches to the animation oh and i love this i mean i love the score i can't believe the first ad did the score i know that was another thing i learned that's crazy i have have you ever seen that no those skill sets those skill sets never cross paths yeah it's such a fun venn diagram there i love it and he was in the documentary a lot we both watched this documentary you 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 unearthed and and uh there was a lot of this guy yeah it's called Um, just desserts the making of creep show was for the the 25th which was 2007 and we still had ramiro with us so it was some great ramiro interviews and yeah yeah really it's got some good stuff in it um 
some some good insight. But yeah, this guy, this guy had a lot to say, and he, I mean, he did the score almost by happenstance because they were experimenting with you know using some found things or licensing some things, and uh, and he just went in and did it. And it's it's like the vocals in it, like the weird chanting and the lefts and the rights and i can't even tell what they're saying and yeah it's super sophisticated for just some guys like why don't i give it a shot but yeah it really it's really so good uh that has the kind of fun swell moments but then it really does have the dark and sinister moments and yeah when we go into the the animation after after the beginning rapper and then when we, when we see the creep in the window oh i mean love it it's just so good that was good in the documentary too. They showed how they were all outside, operating. Oh that yeah, thing. there was like, like six a, people like puppet. There was like six people doing the different motions. Yeah, with the fulcrum like, yeah. and yeah, bringing them up and down and yeah. And it was a real it skeleton. Great. Tom said, <laughs> "Crazy, right? Which is yeah. wild." Yeah, yeah. It adds another layer of like holy crap. Yes, learning about all the various things that were real was uh, uh, eye-opening and unnerving at times. Um, yeah, especially knowing that at all times on this set there was the Roach Motel happening in the background. I know. Roaches, and you, and you know they're breeding. You know they're real. You know now those I are know real. they're real. Yeah. The, the, the documentary told me in detail how real they are. I know. Uh, we'll, real quick, uh, his name is yeah. John Harrison. John Harrison. Yes, he's the first AD and did the music. Which <laughs> and the composer. is insane. I love that. I love that. That's so and he's cool. Continue, I guess he's been involved with like uh, the, the TV show. I actually am not... I'm, I don't. I haven't seen the the TV show on Shutter yet, for whatever reason. I've not gotten to it, but um, I know that he's involved with that too. And he did like Tales from the Dark Side and other sort of like-minded things. Yeah, and I I really didn't know about Tales from the Dark Side the show uh, that you know Ramiro had created it. Now I really want to go and watch it all. Um, I don't know. Have yeah. you have you seen some of it or all of it? Any of no, it? No. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. I only saw the movie. Like. Yeah, I've seen the 1990 movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, John Harrison, director, Tales from the Dark Side. So Crazy. carrying the anthol- you know, the anthological torch. And, For sure. Uh, I, I do like the Shutter show. I really do. And, you know, there's stronger ones and weaker ones. Of course. But uh, they, really, they really nailed the, uh, the vibe. And obviously, if you love, you love the movie, then um, there's something for you there. And it really, it harkens back to that. And there's a, there's a thread, there's a, a tread, there's a continuity uh, that rewards you. And there are references yeah. and there are little things, little Easter eggs and stuff. Yeah. Um, I can tell that's made by, by people who care. And that's, that's going to be the most important common thread here. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. The love, the love of the genre, the love of EC comics and the love of creep show. And yeah, they, they do a really good job. And, there's there's a couple that are really dynamite, that are just like knock, they knocked it out of the park, um, yeah. And when it's operating at its best. It's it's just like uh, in the movie. It's it's fun, and there's that the most fun you'll have being scared, you know. But it's <laughs> yeah. it's dark and it's twisted, and they they nail it. Um, awesome. So yeah, we have the rapper, and then we go into uh, Father's Day, which is the first one. We have uh, Carrie Nye as Sylvia Grantham. We have Ed Harris. Who was in the year before's Night Riders, eighty one's Night Riders, also Romero, <laughs> which I haven't seen. Have you seen that film? I have not. I was just reading about it. Yeah, me too. Uh, it just sounds fascinating. I know. I really got to see it. It yeah. seems like a very. It's not horror per se. It's more. Uh, I don't really know. It's about a Renaissance fair going to hell. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it sounds super strange. It sounds really weird. But I need to see it. 
we have to see. Maybe well, that'll be our next one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have Vivica Lindor Linfairs as Aunt Bedelia, John Lormer as uh, Nathan, uh, who's the dad who then is is murdered. And uh, this one, I call it the family reunion for yuppies. Um, mm -hmm. And we get this whole. I, lo I love that the 25th anniversary doc is called Just Desserts because that really kind of embodies. I think Creepshow's motif that these are these dark morality plays. Yes. Um, and some of my questions that I have lined up for you are if you think they deserved it or not, ever. Um, that's usually my <laughs> main, that's, that's kind of my main question for everything. But uh, yeah, we have a family reunion. It's Father's Day and uh, they get together. It's a tradition. Um, and we learn that something dark has transpired, that the father was the granddad father granddad was murdered and then he actually comes back out of a grave which apparently was a real grave which yeah we learned from with the real maggots which with real maggots yes oh my god, god help them god help them um yeah yeah this rich this awful caustic rich family where ed harris is sort of the outlier he's the one who's like married into it right but they're all living off the money that this murder caused. So they're all they're all in the target zone for yeah. that reason. They're all lining yeah. up for the slaughter. Yeah, it's very straightforward. This is the most straightforward sort of uh, of 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 all of them, I think. In I think you're of, right. It's very it's all very laid out. It's interesting that because it happens in two sort of locations, you, you know, the, and they don't overlap like or at least Aunt Padelia never interacts with the other characters they just right. talk about her and we get these comic booky sequences and we, the cutaways to, to her, her driving and that stuff yeah. is great Smoke, she's smoking. great she's just intense. so good she's really good she carries that she goes out there and does a monologue and the, so the with arm the out of the bottle. grave this is one of the great the, one of the first great jump scares and it still gets me because it's it's daylight it's a pastoral scene the music isn't doing anything you know it's just subtly supporting her monologue and she is in the middle of a sentence <laughs> a quiet sentence when the arm comes out uh in the foreground and it just hits it still it still gets me i don't know what it's it great. is um but the rhythm of that is is uh is really effective i think it's one of the best jump scares in the movie it's great yeah it's and it's uh the the Nathan's corpse is truly a sight to oh, behold. Such great work. It's such great work. Such creature yeah. creature work. Tom Savini, man. He really wanted to transition into... Uh, he he had been the kind of blood guy, and he said he really wanted to be the monster, really monster design, and this was his chance to sink his his fangs into this. Yeah. And, uh, man, he My God. knocked Did out he ever... Yeah, incredible. I mean, everything you want from a dude crawling out of a grave is is is, is there, and... And it's since like it's cool because they the comic book lets them make these crazy choices. Like whenever something like this happens, there's a practical light change. It's just you know the I things will that. just go red. Yeah, um, the red light, the lighting from above, which they were yeah. evoking the, the the styles of the panels of the EC comics. And yeah. yeah, so it's more it's it's more especially that graveyard. I was looking at. I mean, it looks great. The production design is great through the whole movie. And it's not just this blue graveyard. Like it's just, there's this warm light and it's always sort of crossing the spectrum and giving you that comic book, like 
you know, warm, cool, together thing. And it just never, it, it never just, uh, I don't know, it, it, it continues to pop, but the details are grounded. Like, the details of the graveyard, it's very detailed production work. There's a lot of stuff. You can spend a lot of time looking around. You can. And they really, they took great care to, to emulate comic style. And then canted angles, like you said, the light overhead, uh, yes. the bubbles, the text bubbles, uh, the way they would do the swipes with the frame, you know, the comic frame, like panning and the pushing over and sliding over. The way that those, those things were just, those touches were so good. Yeah. They uh, were tastefully created, too. Like, if you look at the the comic book frames like it's not there's like things going on in the sides there's like texture work like they really cared about those images they spent a lot of time they really spent a lot of time on that and they talked a lot about that stuff and um so my question for you is so Mm. nathan was was he was he terrible did he did he deserve to be murdered or uh that dude's terrible that dude's not even a human being as we see him in this flashback I mean, I don't know. Like, we, we don't know the exact history between these people, but the way they created, as someone who thinks of everything as music, that they gave him this cane. So he's, he's in his chair and he's got his cane and he is slamming it against the uh, the the sides of the chair, the armrests, right, over and over again. And they get these great close-ups and it just slowly drives her crazy as it drives us crazy and he just keeps yeah. yelling for his cake. Um, I want my cake. It's incredible. I mean, this guy is incredible. I think it's such a great performance. I'm sure he is dead by this point. <laughs> we could thank him for his work. If he's not, something's up. Um, but it's really a weird flashback sequence. It's kind of disturbing. It also keeps cutting to the dead animals on the walls. Yes. It, 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 it is very interested in the animals in fact there's the, uh, there's this bit i hadn't noticed where after that they cut to one of the characters as they're all getting drunk and waiting for bedelia to to come back in from the cemetery um it cuts to to one of the guys who just sees one of the stuff like marmot or something looking at him and he puts a handkerchief over his eyes so he stops looking at him so he stops yeah this is, this is his little touch so there's Love some it. relationship there they were doing even in the most straightforward there's there's little things going on in the yeah in the background of this, but mostly after the, you know, after he just starts taking people out and we get one of the most infuriating kills I've ever seen is when Ed Harris walks out into this graveyard trips and just refuses to get out of the way of yeah. this very slowly moving gravestone tombstone yeah. that eventually That's topples sliding. through his head. Like I kind of think of it. I mean, Ed Harris is never going to listen to this, so I'll just I'll say what I'm thinking. In the documentary, he's kind of like, eh, "Yeah, I kind of did this movie as a favor to George. Like, it's like yeah. it's all right. You know, some of them work better than others. It's fine. I didn't, you know, all but saying I didn't really want to be there. And he's fine when it's all light and good. But I think what was required in this moment that everyone else was bringing." when he trips and, and has to get paralyzed with fear enough that he can't move out of the way of this grave. I just don't think he was willing to go there. Yeah. <laughs> I just think he's sitting there like not quite doing it. You're just like, why and, didn't you move? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. You could play that. So it's just completely frozen in, in place. I mean, yeah, you know, later in the crate, we have some of the greatest freak outs I've, I've ever oh seen my God. With Fritz Weaver in that movie. But like, 
Yeah, Harris. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was the day or what. I don't think he was ready to. He wasn't. He didn't to, bring to his contribute uh, his A game. Didn't bring his full movie. Ed Harris. No, except yeah. for that one moment of dancing. Oh yeah, which the editor of the documentary just burns him for. Just freeze frames on him making this ridiculous face when he's dancing, and it is a ridiculous face. It is. Well, I think those those touches kind of make you make you f- the catharsis of when they are picked off. Uh, those, yes. those little touches they add to it, I think. But I think you're right from an acting standpoint. Uh, that moment, I think. But it fits in with the movie. I think of my experience, and I I value this experience as the young kid, even of sitting there going like, "Move, yeah, <laughs> move." What are you doing? You have yeah. so much time to move. Yeah, just roll away. His name is John <laughs> Lormer, who played Nathan, the dad, who's the undead revenant comes back to, to kill everyone. He passed away the year of your birth, 1986. I'm sorry, you said you were seven in 86. My bad. Uh, <laughs> that might have been the year of your birth. How what? Uh, 84. Is that the year of your birth? 84. Year of my, okay. my I'm 79. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm 90. You look great. Hey. <laughs> it's very gray, but it's all here. It's there. Yeah. <laughs> More than many can say. I had a. I, I was like Steve Martin. I went gray like in my twenties. Okay. Didn't know what to do? Just got it out of the way. Just like it's just been dying it off and on, dude, and then not making a decision, and you know, making my wife want to kill me. Um, <laughs> one day I'll decide what it should be. There you go. Anyway, Steve Martin's awesome. So, you know, and Le- you I feel like Leslie Nielsen too. Did he ever have like not gray hair? I know. I've never seen a picture of him without. It's true. Speaking of, true. I guess we we more know him for his later stuff. I guess he was doing stuff. I mean. <laughs> It's been Forbidden Planet in the 50s. And, right. Um, yeah, I have very little exposure before all the things we have in common. Um, okay, but yes. Okay, sorry. Back to Father's Day. Uh, uh, I mean, after that point, he just mows everyone down. It, it really rushes to a conclusion, but it feels appropriate for like the salad of the course. And then he finally gets his, his cake. He does. He gets his cake, which is the... The, the um, head. The matriarch of the family's mother with frosting and, and candles and it's a nice little you know it, it maybe peters out a little bit but like those last comic book like screaming frames are so good are so like fun it, it hits the last note and you're just like that's cool i mean this <laughs> this cook gets off to you never even really meet earlier in the movie she's just like yeah that's a cool one though where her face just appears in the on the glass oh yeah window. <clears throat> i remember that from being a kid too just oh yeah like, that one got me that's a good one that's scary yeah yeah yeah, no, I think uh, Open Strong, it's a good one. Yes. Um, really fun. You get that comic style. You get you get to see the kind of, see what you're in for here. And like you said, there really is a thread, a kind of tonality. And I maybe, maybe, you know, having George direct all of it, there's kind of a kinship between them all. I think so. Yeah, and, and the same person scoring it and the same person production designing it and shooting it and everything else. Like, all those elements are going to feel like they can twist them in different directions there are sections in particularly in taiju over in the crate where things have to get a little bit i don't know more classic and and serious and for a little while Um, and it adapts to that really well but it always brings you back to you know something creep show-esque yeah they're all kind of in all cut from the same creep show cloth Yes. And then we're into Vignette 2, which is uh, The Lonesome Death of Jory Verrill, which, again, we were talking about starring Stephen King, which was apparently Romero's idea. He's like, the fans are going to eat this up. If you're in it, they'll see you. Um, 
Oh yeah, this was King's first uh, screenplay credit. This is his oh. first screenplay. Okay. Apparently, according to the doc, he wrote it in uh, 60 days, exactly. Oh, that's right. He's like, I'm going to need 60 yes. days to do this. He was very regular on his writing schedule. Yeah, yes. speaking of, uh, you know, kind of like you. I think he was more of a day a day writer. I don't know. Morning. Uh, yeah. Yeah, just like immediately, like, yep. like don't. It doesn't go to the gym or anything. Uh, right. You know, just boom right into it. I guess we know we're all different. Uh, have you ever tried the morning? Yeah. I've tried different things and different fit, but I always, I, I, I've always been a night owl. I think I just keep kind of coming back to center after yeah. a while, no matter what I try. Right. That's cool. Yeah. So uh, this is the first. So he was, he was, uh, he was in Night Riders the year before. So this, okay. this is his second appearance on screen, but first writing credit as in for screenplay. So yeah. So uh, this this meteor lands, and we kind of get like the kind of. 50s kind of the blob style where there's like a meteor we've seen it in a bunch of you know sci-fi horrors i i think he's great apparently he thought he was over directed to go ham which ramiro really wanted him to ham out as you said earlier yeah uh and so as you know when you were a kid you're like who's this guy <laughs> who's this goofy guy this can't be the guy this isn't stephen king <laughs> I think yeah, it's fantastic. It's true. I think it's a fantastic performance. I do too. I guess I'm. I wondered where you would. That's something I was curious what you would say because I think there are detractors, but um, I think it's really nicely stylized. Actually, I think he commits to it. He commits to completely. it completely. Yeah, he's and that's all in. Really, what that's what you need. But he's also not. He's not so cartoonish that he's throwing away his panic. I mean, he has a successful progression of paranoia. That you know he he sells within the boundaries or the, the lack of boundaries of, <laughs> of that particular style, and that's what it takes the commitment and just he didn't have to worry about everyone else being as big. He's got one co-star in this movie, and it's Bingo O'Malley, right? In the uh, the flashbacks, who's yeah. fantastic. He's great. Also, just completely, you know, it imprinted himself in my long-term memory as a child. Like that, this this guy was so psyched to cut off his fingers. <laughs> Um, yeah, very, I think he, I think he's I think he's great. We get to watch him um, go from. I mean, look, there's something going on under this one. I was thinking a lot about it when I was watching it for this. There is something else happening with what's going on in the TV and discussions of the American dream. Yes, and the way he is sort of his fantasies entrepreneurial. His yeah, his fantasies are entrepreneurial. They are like I'm going to take this meteor right. and make money two hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And then and then it cracks in half and he's like, oh, I'm not gonna make that money. Oh that's the number went down. That's really what's on his mind the whole time and, and what his father is sort of haunting him and, and meanwhile the T V is always on and it's really interesting what they're choosing to to play in, in the background. Sometimes it starts to play this really big role. Like you can see it in a Stephen King book, like he would be doing this in italics the way he does a uh, little weaving like TV dialogue. It's like he loves that stuff. Um, and I think it's super effective here. But this, yeah, strangely for as cartoonish as it does, like he's doing something under the surface with this one that's interesting. Yeah, there's a, you know, it's called The Lonesome Death of Jordy Vero, which is a really sad title. And I think it is a really sad piece. Um, you know, it's, he's a, a funny, fun, kind of larger than life character. But I like what you're saying about how like, the American, the Americana, and the American dream is, and you know, influencing him. And you can see these, 
the fantasies, and it's really sad, like the fantasies that he's having. You know, it's and sad. It, he's an innocent child of a character who you know is. believes he's unjaded. He believes in this that it's you know he's it's going to be great. He's going to be rich. He's going to get out of here. Yeah, yeah, right. He's going to get rich and he's going to make it, but the the situation's impinging on him, and he's slowly becoming a plant. Um, and <laughs> yes. So is that the allegory that we're getting choked up by the weeds of, of that dream that's feeding us this poison, dream? Uh, maybe I, I'm reading I, too much into I it. Think, I think, or, or or an aspect of it that's growing beyond our control. Um, uh, the sort of, you know, the greed part of it, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I definitely it, it it felt a little beyond my grasp, but I became aware of it this time in hearing, especially the music of of that of that television but um yeah the television the, really is a character in its own here yeah we're good i what did i write down that we're going to make a new country um we were going to make a new country is something we hear over the, the tv mm. um so yeah is it all our progress like growing out of control towards this like suffering that we can only sort of drink away and pour another screwdriver <laughs> Uh, as as he does, and and you know right. until it's too much to bear, and then we get the shotgun. Yeah, it's a pretty sad story. It is, uh, <laughs> and I I, yeah. I picked up a lot of the the money for some reason. The green of the plants could be the the like you said the green yeah. of the money and the way it was colored. The way it was that colored green was very green. Just pops very electric green. Yeah, so I, I I picked up a lot, especially watching it kind of the double tap of watching it twice. Yeah. To get ready for today. I remember when I was a kid, I kind of thought it was sillier. And I was like, oh, this is kind of the silly one. But it actually really is tragic to me now. I feel bad for him. I really do. It it's hurts. well made. When it's... he's staring at the water, he pours the, the tub for himself that oh he knows God. is his death. And they go really close just on the, you know, the glistening mirage of the water. And yeah. They take a lot of time with it. They do. And uh, it it works. Like all that stuff is you know, remains in my long-term memory like this and and the sadness of that last note. And now we know from the documentary that was a crew member. Oh, in the suit. uh, Wearing, wearing the suit. And every time they shot it, the person caught fire. Yeah. (laughs) They say they caught fire like three or four times. They caught fire a few times and they had to aim for the head, but the head was a prosthetic. He was actually lying back. They had a good diagram of that. Yeah. Yeah. They had a really good diagram in just desserts. Yeah. So they had to keep, directing him towards this target that he couldn't see which was the, the fake head it's crazy yeah and everything caught on fire <laughs> Just- i mean in the production design right like not even before the plants grow his house is amazing it's amazing oh yeah like this the stains and the ceiling and the oh the absolutely sort of brownness of like the age on things through the whole movie yeah, the age on things is is incredible but this this was the masterpiece of the art department it had i mean like the the amount of plant they put in this play like everything was everything was, was a plant was to 11 in this movie yeah. whether it was the plants or the cockroaches or were like they were not not know, they were going to fill the place up they were going to go way over the top and this was i had to have been so much work yeah the set was a, a real character in itself and um yeah they the aging of everything you can really feel that this this house has been here for a million years and you know you you feel it in your bones um anyway i i i love this one and i i think king's great i mean what a 
what a multifaceted person. I mean, to be able to, I mean, yeah, yeah, he's definitely one of those just force of nature guys. Just cranks, he just cranks him out. He still does. I hear the he's new one coming. is good. Yeah, I me too. The, the, yeah, the fairy tale is getting a good reaction. It's like to read that. Hell yeah! Have you read most of his stuff? Yeah, it probably counts as most. That's a lot, but I think I think I, I think I'm there. There's a bunch I haven't read, but I've read most. I know I haven't read a lot of the short stories. I've read some of them, but uh, not all the collections. Um. Well, anyway, so then we're into which the one I started on, which was uh, something to tide you over. Yes, Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson, who are great. Uh, Leslie Nielsen is actually quite subtly funny, not in a naked gun way, but in a, the performance is great. These two together are awesome. I love that it just dives right into like a scene between them. It wastes no time. They're in a confrontation, and there's just scene work between these great actors. Absolutely. Comes right in. You're sleeping with my wife. I'm very particular about things that are mine, and no exceptions to the rules. <laughs> right. You know, yeah, yeah, it's just right on its feet, right on its feet. Yeah, and he's got a plan, and uh, he's got all the money in the world, and he has all the resources at his fingertips. And he's like, You're not gonna get away with this. And I have a whole beach, and you know, he's he's beat him, he beats him on every step. He's got the gun, you're getting in there. Uh, seeing, um, seeing the wife already kind of ahead, ahead of the game with uh, her, her ordeal. And then, you know, putting the TV there for Ted Danson to see. And apparently this is right before um, Cheers. Right. Right, be- right before he got Cheers. And apparently he was right. like, oh, man, I got this this bar thing I'm going to read for. I don't know. What do you guys think? You think it's going to be any good? <laughs> right. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, no. And that's funny that that was like, that became Cheers, which ran for forever. And it was crazy. probably his, his seminal landmark piece. And you think of Ted Danson. Yes. Although I'm seeing him again in other things. Like, oh, that show, The Orville, he's in that. He's an admiral. He's great, but I feel like, yes, people will always think of, of Cheers. Yeah, Cheers, absolutely. Sure. That's not such a bad thing. No, no, not at all. He's great in this. He's, he's, uh, they're, they're both really good. His, his, like, gradual understanding of how bad his situation is is really, is really believable. Good. Yeah, absolutely. And I love his reactions at every turn, like, trying to make a decision of whether to go along with what he's saying like when he you know like no i'm not getting in that hole yeah all right and and just he doesn't he never surrenders it he just his wheels are turning the whole time in this really cool way yeah you're right even even when he's pretty effed and you know the waves are crashing in on him and uh apparently they built yeah. like a, a box that would release the water and that's how they got the sh- i always wondered and then I and then know. the shot of I can't him believe it wasn't real i feel i, it I really know me. it really feels real the waves yes. feel really real Yes, now we know they were, yeah, they were, I mean, of course, I'm glad they were not, not you know, that loose with everyone's lives. <laughs> um, it's nice to know. They were in, yeah, kneeling in a sort of box with, like, uh, some covering on top, so they actually had space to move their bodies below there, but right. um, we're releasing water in boxes, and, and apparently Leslie Nielsen um, had a fart machine the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I know. Uh, there's a clip of George Romero talking about Leslie Nielsen, how he's, you know, p- girls would come up to him and be like, oh my God, hey, Lizzie, how are you? And he'd just be like, <laughs> you know, and he was just always joking. Uh, but then when it's the camera was amazing. rolling, it was just boom. He was like lasered in and, you know. Yeah, he's, he's totally great. I'm not sure. I was trying to figure out the technology. Like, how is he powering the television when he drives away? 
Yeah, I, I wondered that too. So there's a little bit of you that, know. but who cares? Well, it's Good his show. beach. He's got you know he's got a whole infrastructure. He's got all of, sorts uh, of. That's true. His house is right there. Maybe he's, he's running he some, some generator some stingers or something. And, yeah, I don't know. But uh, who cares? Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I, I kind of chalked that up fun. to just he has all the resources in the world. You know, you you, you fucked with the wrong guy here, uh, Ted Danson. Yeah. Sorry. But this yeah, a great bit with a crab. Oh yeah, the, the crab. crab's great. That's fantastic. What a great cut. Yeah, great cut. Just he's dead, completely immobilized in the sand with a crab slowly approaching his nose with his claw perfectly extended. It's great. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And then uh, the shot, which, you know, you knew was in some kind of a tank or something, but with Ted dancing up to his neck and his hair up and he's in the water. And Yeah, they do the whole comic book lighting. Behind yeah, the whole comic stuff, book lighting so. is great. But apparently he really had to get in there and got in that tank. And, you know, they had the, they had the scuba breather for him. And and Tom Savini holding a sledgehammer in case the scuba failed and he yes, had to smash the yes, glass. Yes, exactly. Last case scenario, worst case scenario. You have to yeah. It. Still kudos for Ted Danson to do that. I, I think that takes. I would that would make me super nervous. That would make me super nervous. Anything with breathing. Yeah, exactly. No, I want. I want. I don't want to give up control over that particular function. <laughs> nope. Yeah. As an organism, you're you know trying to survive. <laughs> I'm a t- yeah grown used to having my way with my breathing yeah exactly although Um, could you did you have the same reaction as me that when you saw leslie nielsen living in a house with a lot of fish tanks that all you could think of was the japanese fighting fish from naked gun oh my god a gift from emperor herito impervious (laughs) to everything but water its price is beyond estimation yeah (laughs) i actually i just did uh before uh before this podcast did a wrath of khan podcast so ricardo montalban was already in my head and naked gun's my favorite comedy i i I love that movie so much and um yeah so it's always in my head it's always in my head and i'm so glad it's one of the few comedies that gets better all the way through it's just and his climax is actually the comedic heart of the movie all the way through my favorite line in that movie my father went the same way. My father way. went the same way. <laughs> it's still my favorite. That yeah. whole bit is just so And the, mar- the marching band and yeah, the steamroller oh. crushes them. And Maltoban is great in that. Uh, this, the scene when they're at Maltoban's office and is, is one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. That is classic. It's just yeah, so it's all good. I, could, it, I just, it, I kind of wanted to watch Naked Gun when this was over because of all the fish tanks and Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, let's watch Naked Gun. Seriously. It's been like a year it's for been a me, while. so. I'm right. Oh, it's I'm, been longer than that for me. I'm overdue. Oh, God. oh, it's such a masterpiece. Yeah, I definitely thought of it. All the fish tanks. And yeah, the fish tanks in the parallel with uh, the water and the beach. And, you know, I, I don't know. It's a little bit of a subthread there. And then um, when Ted Danson and uh, Galen Ross, who plays Becky Vickers, uh, who's. There's nothing to do but drown and then reappear as a weed. As a, as a, <laughs> as a seaweed that comes back from the dead. She doesn't get it any. Anything but I'll know. I always remember her from uh, another Romero, Dawn of the Dead. Oh, she. I see. I don't even know she's in that. I couldn't even. Yeah. As soon as I saw her, I was like, "Oh yeah." Interesting. Okay. Which was like four years before, seventy-eight. Uh, but yeah, so they come back, and uh, you know, and then Leslie Nielsen's like, "I got this. I got a gun. You know, it's fine." And then the famous, you know, shooting Ted Danson in the head and seeing the. What a great down. effect. Great effect. Which uh, apparently, they said they every every time they said there was an effect, they're like, oh, yeah, toilet paper, toilet paper. It would fill the toilet, toilet paper. paper with blood, fill the toilet paper with the ooze, and then it would ooze out. I was like, toilet paper, man. It does everything you want. It's just, yeah. Yeah, even when E.G. Marshall um, 
in there creeping up on you, which we'll get to in a minute. But, you know, when the, the roaches burst out of his chest, which was, you know, a, a, a prosthetic model. But uh, again, just toilet paper. And they just pumped it with roaches. And they just came right out. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know, Andy. I cannot watch that moment. Yeah. I can't watch it. It's intense. That's my fear. It is probably because of the, we'll get to it, but I have, that's, this is, oh yeah, no, I we'll love it. That. I love that. I, I can't wait to talk about that. It's a, it's a problem. No, it's, it's messed up. It's, 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 <laughs> creep, it creeps up on you. You know what I mean? It's really bad. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so the, it, it all, it's, I mean, it's a little bit like, I love this segment. I think it does like, it's almost like, oh my God, we have to turn it back into creep show. We've had this kind of other vibe for a while and, and, you know, it just becomes this sort of undead revenge epilogue. Um, but it still satisfies because of those effects. And there, you know, there's something between these first three with that. Um, whenever creatures talk, it's got like a gurgle. There's a wetness. I started to become attuned to that this time. Interesting. Like Jordy, when he's fully plant, it develops a wet a, a wet effect the, and so does nathan yeah nathan grantham does in in the first one and i think it goes away but for through the first three huh. I, I started to think like you know i was on to something because like nathan grantham comes out of the grave after he's watered with whiskey right and jordy becomes the weed after he's sort of watered with the tub and then this was a complete water segment and then the, the where water. they came in with waterlogged sort of yeah zombies. and they had that gargle gurgle yeah so there's there's something there but then it goes then it goes away Huh. No, I love that. That's great. Really a keen observation, Andy. Love hey. that. So the house was a matte, a matte painting, they said. It was shot on a deserted beach in yeah. New Jersey. A good one. Yeah, a darn good one. I didn't pick up on it. Yeah, I they were smart to make usually, it small. It's not ambitious. It's right. It really set, but, it, but, you, but your eye goes to it, so it works. Yeah, I'm usually like, pretty good at catching those. I mean, I, I love a good matte painting, you know. Don't hey. get me wrong. I'm not going to crap on a matte painting here. I won't do it. Unless you're desperate. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Ramiro himself cut this one. Uh, something to tide you over. I noticed that. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I guess he said he mostly cut his own films. And he said there was, um, he said in the doc, Just Desserts, that there's a relief when you're not, you're not the editor on something. And I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about this as, as someone who edits their own stuff. Because mm. there's that, like, you're never really done with it. Like, you could still cut it and keep cutting it and keep cutting it. And when, when, when is it done, you know? And it's almost a relief when you're like, all right, I'm going to yeah. hand it off to somebody. Well, I'm, I'm weird about it because, like, I'm not, like, whatever movie I make next, if it's, you know, with, if it's under more of a structure with, new, you know, like, or we, we join other producers or whatever it is, I'm not going to ask for a final cut probably. But what I'm interested in is the first cut. Um, mm. That's really the way it's been this whole time. Okay. Um, I just want to follow through on my swing, and to me, it's like there's there would be no relief in someone taking the footage from me at the moment I was coming back from a shoot. That would feel like, oh my god, don't you dare! Like I haven't. That's my baby. I haven't. Like I just need to show people what's, you know, what's what's in my head, and then I'm I don't even use an assistant. I log my footage myself, so I. I completely, I, I watch everything. I watch the blue takes. I look for things before and after 
you know, we're actually rolling or, or actually, you know, in the acting zone before, before uh, action after cut. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to know where all that stuff is. I'm super obsessive about it. And then when I finished my first cut, I'm very happy. I'm even happy to fire myself, honestly. Um, if it, if it means starting over or someone else should come in, it hasn't happened that way completely, but we brought in new editors for yellow brick road at the end. And it was awesome. It was like, they saw things differently. Like I had been in a vacuum and, right. um, Fresh perspective. So I'm, yeah, that's really, that's how I think of it. The editing is just following through on what I did as a director and, and making sure that, you know, the intention gets through, I can communicate it once and then we do what we do, right? We collaborate, we talk. And we learned. I also just, I love editing. I love, I love the process. Like I, those are peaceful times in my life and you can make it very regular and, uh, you know, I'm home and you know, it's just, it's nice. That's great. Yeah. You're home. You're comfortable. Yeah. Did you ever have moments where you pulling your hair out with it or have you felt like you've, oh, it's pretty, pretty oh yeah. It's yeah. always my most doubtful time because you you know, normally when I'm editing, it's like, since I'm also composing and there's a benefit to that because I can just write the cue that I need when I need it as an editor and I don't have to wait for like, you know, some other chain of communication to happen with someone else. Um, but I'll end up doubting, but if I'm burning it too slow or, or the pace has gotten too slow, am I going to lose people? And so I start putting too much music in or too much like low drone in because I don't trust the story. Right. And then usually in the last week, we pull all that stuff out again. We're like, you know, half the score goes away. Half the like, you know, horror sound design goes away. And it's just like, no, like we trust what we're trust, doing. Trust the moments are, are horrifying enough. And- Absolutely. But before I get back to that, I have to go through all the bad avenues unfortunately yeah so yes i'm i'm still quietly suffering that's that's what we do but like (laughs) compared to the other versions of quietly suffering i really enjoy it yeah that's great (laughs) no and it really is it's it's really like they say there's the three births the writing the shooting and then the editing and the editing is really where it yes it takes shape and it is you have to be excited for those rebirths if you're especially if you're the one doing all those jobs i feel like those jobs you cannot connect those jobs at all. If you're the director protecting your script, you're in trouble. Mm. If you're an editor protecting what the director did, you're super trouble. Uh, if you're not willing to like use it as a new opportunity to, to, to see how it could exist differently. Um, then I think someone else should be doing the job. That's great. I love that. Yeah. Cause you're not, you're not giving it the, the rebirth freedom that it requires to, no. to gel again. No, you got to stop the last version of yourself. You gotta really, <laughs> really be frustrated with with those. Other I always guys hate myself. Those there other you go. Jobs. No. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Thank you, Andy, for sharing that. It's awesome. Um, all right, and then we're into the crate, oh, which I didn't realize was like half of the running time of this movie. Yeah, it is the longest piece, huh? It's the center, center By a long piece. Shot. Yes, yeah. it's the stake. It's the stake. Definitely. Yes, it's very interesting. Yes, we have Hal Holbrook. Um, and Fr- is it Fritz Weaver? Fritz, Fritz Weaver. Mm-hmm. Fritz Weaver, sort of two uh, collegiate professors, colleagues. Yeah. Yes. Um, in a sort of academic environment, and Hal Holbrook um, is married to a total monster, a cartoonishly big. Uh, what what is her, uh, the actress's? Uh, Adrian Barbeau. Adrienne Barbeau, who was John Carpenter's who wife. Who was John Carpenter's wife. Yeah. And um, I know her from this and The Fog. 
She's the, yes. the radio DJ in the fog. Absolutely. Which I um, love. Yeah, she's she is Billy is the character's name, and Billy. she is a total monster. Call me just Billy. <laughs> just emasculates Hal Obrick at every turn, and uh, the appearance of a crate with a Arctic, an ancient Arctic creature or something right. in it. Um, which the crew nicknamed uh, Fluffy. Which the crew, which the crew nicknamed Fluffy. Um, yeah. First terrifies a, a janitor, and then and then eats a. Uh, a, a student and ultimately gives Hal Holbrook's character an opportunity to off his wife in a, in a, in an efficient way. Yeah. Um, so it becomes this, I mean, it's kind of a problematic. If you were going to say that through the modern lens, any of this is problematic. This is a little bit of like a misogynist revenge fantasy where the female character has no depth. She's, but, but it's done with such glee and purpose. Like, it's done with absolute knowledge, I think, of what it is. So I don't know. It, it it ends up feeling mostly harmless to me in that regard. But it is, it is a bit. Uh, it's a pretty sinister, little piece. It is. Sure. It is sinister. And I, I again, my question for you is: um, Do you feel that Wilma deserves it, or is it's, or he should have just confronted her in a million other ways instead of going for the, the murder? Is going yeah, well, right I for the murder. That's how I. I think if I look at it as a morality tale, right. the way in which I can wrap my arms around it and say I like this story, and I think I do, is because, yeah, he does this because he's he's too much of a coward to actually deal with it. He's got to let this creature do, do what the, he's do too the dirty work to do and stand up to this person and do the thing that will actually make him grow as a person and move forward in life. And instead, you know, he does this 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 nasty thing and 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 uh kind of takes the easy way out so i like looking at it that way and saying yeah for as terrible as she is she doesn't deserve this end i don't think um but they do everything to make her as absolutely horrible (laughs) as possible like she's she's going out to like when she's like leaving the house to clearly like just cheat on him yeah, I need to go somewhere else and just insulting him at at every step. And you know, I I think that's you your can problem, sense Henry. In the documentary, you can't get it up. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it's just like oh you my can god. sense she struggled with this. Where part. would you be without um, me, Henry? <laughs> oh. And he's really great in his reactions to it. And uh, you know, Hal Holbrook's very good. He grounds. He's great. He's really really good the whole way through. And Fritz Weaver gives a crazy. Like his breakdown, a, his breakdown where he loses the ability to speak English is is unbelievable. Really, something. It's really something. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh yeah, yes. Hal Holbrook is also in the fog. So mm-hmm. another fog along. So he's got a lot of familiars who go along with him, huh? I guess I wasn't as aware of that before this. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I like that. Uh, that he, instead of growing, he masterminds and and manipulates the crate manipulates the creature yeah Um, he suffers for it in one way which is he has to become the janitor he has to like because we've seen the janitor at the top there's a real janitor who's just like a classic stephen king janitor like this whole thing opens on a classic stephen king janitor saying fuck a diddle i think which is a classic stephen king thing to say (laughs) (laughs) and uh but ultimately, in order to pull this off, he has to clean up all the gore 
and all the remnants and it's pretty nasty like it's i put a mental block on this one when i was young because you know it's funny it, it's presented the rapper as like something for kids um yet the themes of the stories are very adult as it goes on with these two centerpieces of course both surrounding both having to do with adultery um and and dealing with like marital issues and, and right and stuff something like to tide you over which, in the crate yeah which is not something a kid always has access to so i put a little like yeah, something as a I kid that I, you orient your compass to yeah you know. it was icky it felt icky the whole the whole thing to me i remember yeah wanting to get through it um because it was making me super uncomfortable and then the creature i was i felt i feel all things about that creature i think it's amazing and not amazing at the same like i don't know from moment to moment depending on the angle sometimes it's a little funny yeah it is very a sort goofy. of flamboyant with all its teeth. It's very yeah. Like you almost want it to massive be like, head. Hey, every time it enters, <laughs> like have a big like Muppet voice. You or could something. do like a voiceover, you know, and, and totally yeah. ruin the the horror <laughs> of could. the piece. Yes. Here I am. I'm fluffy. <laughs> Check out my teeth. Yeah. Uh, and apparently, um, Savini reached out to Rob Botin, uh, who had done the Howling the year prior. Right. And then that year did the Thing, which is probably my. Oh. Second favorite horror, Under the Shining, maybe. I'm, they're, they're neck and neck. That's a good one. Yep. Yeah. Um, also 82, so yeah, another 40th. But the, I, lo- I love the in the Just Desserts, it, here Tom Savini was like, I literally called Rob Bottin and just, I was on the phone for like half an hour just explaining how to do this and, you know, how to, pretty amazing. How to build it right with the, the mouth and everything. Yeah. It is amazing. I, th- I think it's pretty scary. Um, and the buildup of, you know, kind of the jack in the box of him coming out of the crate and when he's going to come out of it, the crate. And it's how good the crate looks. The crate looks That's, great. This is the, like, they could, they do all these close ups of the hammers, like the nails coming out and the old locks breaking. And, and their production design was good enough that they could actually go right in on that. And it looks ancient. Yeah. Like, like you it, said, aging it. Yeah. Like the it house was done with Jody a lot Merrill. of care. So I think that helps sell. It. sell. Yeah. You know, by the time we see it, we really believe the environment and and that base is just like ah, it's such a gross, it's such a gross atmosphere. Really gross. Yeah, yeah. I think those were the main the main takeaways for me. Yeah, I uh, I don't know how I feel about this one. I remember as as a kid thinking, oh yeah, uh, she's got to go, she's got to get whacked. Um, but now, yeah, he kind of becomes the monster, and then when he's playing chess. There's an element of smugness and of just belief that he did the right thing, and he t- he's perfectly covered his tracks, and there's airtight. And like you said, he does suffer now by having to wear it, and now he's got to be careful. And you know, you know, it's probably going to come back, or you know, we're led to believe. Yeah, that. but he doesn't seem haunted. It does take that. He doesn't seem haunted at all. Route. He seems really, really good. Yeah, <laughs> too good. Fritz is haunted. Fritz is Fritz is very haunted. Fritz is super haunted, he's, and he's more concerned about. Yeah. It. He's like, I'm going to beat you in chess. I'm going to beat you every day forever in chess. And he's like, we'll see about that. But uh, I, yeah, I think Holbrook I, really becomes the monster. He does. By the end. And he, 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 uh, he uh, I don't know. I mean, she does put booze in her milk. <laughs> I do that, Andy. Oh, sorry. No, I don't. But which booze? <laughs> if it's Kahlua. Whatever then, I got. You can be the dude. I don't think she was putting Kahlua in yeah, it. It was like whiskey or was it vodka? What was it? I think it. I think it was whiskey. I think she's. But I don't know. She carries the same glass of it yeah. from the house all, all to the when place. she's going yeah. out. 
that is the really weird part of the movie because they're describing this assault that like they're saying and she's so into this she's like so there's no way she's not coming for this show where some poor girl has been beaten so badly she's hiding under a staircase and she's just so excited to deal with this problem I know. it's so interesting Wilma, uh, only only you know have the instincts to <laughs> to know what to do here and when he starts like laughing down he starts like losing his cool yeah he knows what's happening well you he, see that's, that's what's so funny he, yeah. about it Wilma. You, it's what's so funny uh, you gotta you gotta understand you see yeah and, and then she's it's like the, why are it, you losing your mind yeah it's just weird it's a lot of things at once i think it works in being um tonally affecting and it leaves a mark um but i don't know i don't know how to reckon with it at all with this <laughs> right like i don't through either. our current lens i just i really don't yeah i think it's i think it's the one people mm. remember the most of of the folks i've talked to and like you said it, it's, it's the longest runtime. it's the featured piece um I don't know if it's my favorite, but uh, it's definitely not my favorite. Yeah, it's not my favorite, but I but do it, love it. But I, but it is a whole meal. That's why this is the best ever. Like the whole meal, uh, everything else is a little bit imbalanced, and how I feel about the other things is is affected by all of the. And, you know, it's all connected. So it's all connected. I can't. Yeah, I have to be grateful for the whole for the whole meal. For the whole, I, lo- I love the, the meal analogy. I love it. <laughs> I'm sticking to it. Yeah, I'm it's running great. with it. Yeah, I think um, it's about to fall apart. Actually, the meal analogy, but it's been good up till now. I've really enjoyed it. It's about to fall <laughs> the apart. The cockroaches are going to ruin. Now it. we are into the grossest <sighs> thing ever. It's the grossest thing ever. It's the grossest thing it's ever the most, recorded. It's the most horrible thing. I can't. It's horrible. So yeah. It's so horrifying. I. So cockroaches are my fear. That is my phobia above really? all other things. Really, truly. I think it might have been. This might have played a part. A lot of things did like this and then a couple of bad experiences with them. I remember one in particular, we had taken, we were taking this like band trip in high school, the band trip you end up taking to Disney world. And we were in this terrible motel. Oh yeah. And I remember looking over as like two of my, two of the other people were staying in the other bed. And I looked over as they were getting into bed and pulling the covers over. And I saw three enormous roaches run up under the covers with them as they were pulling the covers over them and then you know they freaked everyone freaked out and they scattered and then there were all these other ones that were suddenly scattering and the motel couldn't help us until like the morning and it was just the worst um that was a part of it too that really whatever was left to hammer in of those nails got hammered in that night but this is bad and now i understand a little bit why because the documentary i don't know if i i mean of course, I should have known they weren't doing like special effects to create bugs in 1982. I know, I, I, I know, and honestly, I wanted to watch a making of of this movie just to know how they did the bugs. But yeah, then I was like, you know, Andy, talking to me, not you. You know, <laughs> Andy, that they're real. Like they have to be real. They have to be real bugs. Yet I still was like, maybe it's some. I, I don't know. Just, I don't know what I thought. I still didn't. I I could not have been prepared for the story, which is that they. Yeah, go ahead. They ordered. I think he said two hundred and fifty thousand cockroaches from Trinidad. Yeah, there are these like guano cave, and they were sent like yes, they in bat shit. 
they they were they were breeding in batshit two entomologists went to trinidad and waded through oceans of batshit and roaches to pluck out gradually i guess this is horrible i'm just i mean they did this thing where there would be like a puddle or a little hole in the ground they would shut the lights off for like 10 seconds turn the lights back on and that space would be completely filled with roaches they would grab as many as they could turn the lights back off again rinse and repeat and, and just keep getting die them. and just die like it, it's so horrible i can't even imagine and then they bring them to set to breed and they're in a trailer they have their own trailer movies being shot they have their own trailer and it and it smells because they emit a scent when they're nervous so this whole everyone remembers the smell of the roach trailer and the fact that when they were filming the sequence, every time they would let like a thousand go at, at a time and just dump buckets, they were scatter and they were gone in 10 seconds. You know, they would find them like clumped up in a phone or like people were probably finding them in their shoes. Like they never, once they were released, they were a part of their set world, which was my biggest fear. Cause I couldn't be on that set. Yeah, I know. They talked about how uh, certain people freaked out and I think they said the script supervisor said she couldn't do it. And then, Yes. She famously like, would overcame it. And one of the entomologists had an interaction where he went, he must have gone into a bucket of them or something. And an entomologist ran out of a room screaming, completely covered with cockroaches oh, to the my, point yeah. where George Romero said you couldn't see him. He was completely you could only see roaches. Roached, ensconced. Like that would kill me. Yeah. So I don't like roaches either. I wouldn't say they're like my classic fear. I definitely don't like them, and I don't know how I would be. I don't know if I could do it. I'm not sure. Well, I can't believe that. So this bit almost didn't happen. Apparently, they ran out of money. This was yes. a $7 million movie, which feels like a lot bigger because of all the love and care of everyone involved. But it was actually kind of a smaller crew, and it was pretty contained. And then they're like, all right, well, it's just uh, E.G. Marshall as Upson Pratt. I like that his name is Upson. I mean, it's like he's so <laughs> <That's up amazing. laughs> His name is literally Upson, which is great. Uh, they're like, we got one actor and one location and a bunch of bucks. We got this. And. But they had to change what the location was because it was going to be in like a penthouse apartment and they were going to be dealing with bugs scattering under all this furniture and into this like domestic environment. So they changed so they had it to, to change like it. this hospital setting. So at least. It could have this sort of sterilized approach. I wonder if they gave him his character, that characteristic at that point, because he's obsessed with yeah, maybe that's how the they cleanliness wove it of everything. Into the, right. And he's the in this, st- this sterile environment. So it actually feels like it was always supposed to be there, but it's interesting. Yeah. And it has this kind of a future. I mean, it's like a, a 1982 projection of the future. You know, it doesn't look high tech now in, in, yes. in 2022 standards, but uh, you know, super advanced computer, hermetically sealed space. Um, his performance is fantastic. He is great. It's a, it's a one act. It's a one man. Okay, there was, there was one other actor and there was some phone calls. Uh, so we have some voiceovers. Yes, there's some voice acting and stuff. But mostly and a bunch he, of carries, he carries the thing. No, I mean, that's the thing about it is when I like bugs, bug movies like I think they're known to be like when they were really popular in the late seventies, maybe in eighties, like you'd see movies like ants, mm-hmm. like movies. I just remember seeing in the video store with like, you know, ants crawling on people. I think they're probably among the dumbest 
you know, of the, the, the horror corners you can go in or the bug movies. And this is so smart. It's so smart. It's so, it, it's so nuanced. The allegory. It's got, it's got a lot. Yeah. It really has a lot going on. And it's my favorite one, even though I can't watch half of it. Yeah. I think this is the performance of the film. It is. It's, it's I mean, so good. In the best script, maybe. Yeah, it's my favorite one. It's it's really my favorite one. I uh, it does gross me out, but I'm also like I can't look away. Um, I'm able oh. to. I can make it through. I'm, no. I'm not as affected by the roaches as you. Uh, but I just I love how. It's again, it's the just desserts, right? Which is the name of the doc. But it's the the mechanism of the movie is the catharsis of seeing you know justice being served, and here's a guy who is just he's ruining lives, and the bugs to him represent everyone. Everyone else is a bug. He is he's literally yes. in his ivory tower. His name's Upson. Yes, he's, he looks out at the city. Yeah, with, as he talks about bugs, ugh. they're very clear about what they're doing. Yes, right, right, and he's like he's he takes he revels in firing people and ruining their lives and and. Uh, you know, he's trying to raise people at all hours of the night. You know, he's like, everyone works for me. Everyone's a, a cog in the machine, and I run the machine. And just the bugs represent just the the little guy. Yes, taking revenge their, on him. Their their revenge on this on this unreachable force in this fortress that that you know they they shouldn't be allowed access to. But he's literally taking such sincere like glee as he talks to this woman whose husband has recently what did he commit suicide suicide because he got fired right yeah and like the last things he said where we're like upson's name like he he was just just relishing like this is the best thing he could have heard like it makes his his night it makes his day sobbing woman you're a monster you're terrible (laughs) i hope you die of cancer (laughs) <laughs> it's it's incredible like his face is like he's so good and who is this guy that he doesn't mind being covered in roaches because he there's several shots where they you can see them going up his like collar there and he apparently didn't care yeah he didn't care um i don't i don't know how you can't care yeah i know i know him mostly from uh from this and uh christmas vacation you know he's like the uncle oh my god yeah so I had not put that together. That's such a, that that was such a big click. It like hurt <laughs> in my head. I felt it. <laughs> yeah, but his performance is so good. It's a one man show, um, and you like you said the revel. His revel is fun to watch, but then it's fun to see the justice served, and they're creeping up on you. They you could feel the the noose tightening around him. The progression is perfect. The progression is so they, good. They keep him busy on phone calls and things. So he's always like busy as he's chasing them around. And then they go through my worst nightmares one by one in a progression. It's like, what's the most horrible? Oh, they're in the food. Oh, yeah. Let me dump out this box of granola and have the... And some of them are huge. Oh, yeah. The big... What, what is it? Uh, Ramiro, Ramiro said they like the about them. He's like giganters. Yeah. Rexes. Yeah. I don't know, I forget. He's like, I didn't go near I didn't go near that one. Yeah, those there were <laughs> ones that were like the size of a cat. Like <laughs> it was so yeah, crazy. See, that's and they really went for like there's a lot of real close ups. But it's brilliant because they have these early shots they're cutting to, they have these inserts of the tech that you're talking about and the tech 
and all the buttons laid out across the screen and then they just progress it they they fill those frames with bugs gradually until they're just chock full of bugs oh, i mean God. the amount of bugs i mean I, i'm looking at my notes because i just lost my brain i'm like I'm just writing about the guy and then suddenly it's just like, no, out of the drain in the vents. Fuck me. No. Oh my God. Now the lights go out. That's genius, but I hate everything and I'm dead. I can't believe they did this. Fuck this to death. No, no, no. These are my notes. <laughs> I love it. It's happening inside of me. Yeah. I was oh, just, man. well, thank you I for can't. being a trooper and uh, facing, it's not fair. facing it again. No, I, I at least have control of, you know, I can, I just put it in my periphery. So I'm aware enough, but I, I mean, I only needed to see it ever once. I took a good look that first time and, uh, I remember it's no good. Yeah. The, the final bursting shot is, is it's oh. so good. And I understand why you don't want to look at it. Um, it's, it's, they really so did. Disgusting. They really filled that little room with that. Like, I don't think there's any effects even in that last frame No, when it's like a swimming pool of them, basically it's just a room full of them. Yeah. I can't be- I cannot believe it. Yeah. 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 Oh man. Yeah, I uh I love the low angle shot. Um tight on uh, his face. Once you get bugs, never get rid of them. They breed in the crawl spaces, <laughs> the conduits, the very core of the building itself. You know. <laughs> I just I love that monologue so much. They ate dog food. And they hissed, and they stunk like hell. And that, and they, and the detail they would leave parts of themselves everywhere was said by crew members. Mm. Um, it Bugs made man. my phobia. It only makes it worse. Oh, there was that story where they blasted air through the vents accidentally at the wrong time. Oh and yeah, said a bunch of roads just airborne across the room, fired like, them like a <laughs> cannon. Yeah. Oh my god! Can you imagine That's... that hitting you? <laughs> no, Jesus no, Christ. no. Yeah. That's. Oh God, it's not how I want to go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so apparently they they were obligated to destroy them all when they were done. And then they're like, all the filmmakers were like, well, yeah. Uh, now it's been twenty five years, but pretty sure a lot of them got away. Yes. Like, this... what, what are we supposed to do? We can't contain. Yeah. Oh yeah, the story of the Vaseline. They're like, oh yeah, we'll put Vaseline on the on the ceilings, and that they'll totally stop them. Right, right through the Vaseline. They no just problem. went right out. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, they would like they would dump it. They would dump a bucket and then end up with a half a bucket. <laughs> they were supposed to collect them afterwards. They were like half a bucket went somewhere else. Oh my God. And now they're right. They probably affected the, the whole like <laughs> ecosystem of cockroaches and 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 like the East Coast. And now that yeah, now they like they bred. Yeah. They they weren't supposed to breed the cross species. Yeah. And, we're probably, you know, both of us, well, at least me, especially here in New York, I'm probably in proximity to some creep show. Descendants. Ancestry. ancestry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a movie, uh, there was a movie called Mimic. Do you remember this movie? Yeah. Where cockroaches like evolved, like what if cockroaches evolved to be smart? And they, they oh, had, yes, they got, right. they, they look like dudes with trench coats in the subways. Like nobody thinks the wiser, <laughs> like, hey man, what time is it? And they're like, you got the trench coats. It's but they're terrible. actually the wings. Yeah, it was like Mira Sorvino. Oh, I remember. No, even that gets. I'm really, really bad. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna ask you, do you if you could even do that one. No, Joe's apartment is a horror movie. As far <laughs> as I'm concerned, the most horrifying film yeah. ever made. Yes. Yeah. No, but I mean, there's there's something to be said there about uh, 
you know, they're, they're they say that cockroaches have been around a lot longer than man. You know, that they're an old, much they're an ancient species. So if if they did evolve to be smart or sentient or aware or whatever, that you know, but they're just terrible with their bodies. They're upside down. They're lying on their backs. They're the worst. And that's like part of why even when I ate meat, I never ate shellfish. Because I saw this thing on Discovery once that showed you that shellfish are really just cockroaches of the sea because they have the same like segmentation, like a lobster. And then I was like, and then it clicked. It was like, oh my God, everyone's everyone's dipping bug meat in butter. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I never, I never liked shellfish. I never liked the taste of it. I'm glad I didn't ruin any. I've, I've made a couple of people angry by notifying them of that connection. They're like, um, damn it, you've ruined shellfish for me. They did not want to think of it as bug meat, but I'm sorry. <clears throat> Discovery Channel says it's bug meat. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's, it's a great. It's so good. It's my favorite one. It, yeah. It, it's deservedly so. It's. Um, I can't believe they almost didn't do it. It's a masterclass. No, me neither. I mean, the one they were going to do was the Hitchhiker, which is definitely my favorite segment of Creep, Creep Show. Oh, the too. second I'm one. Glad. Yeah. Yes. Pull over. <laughs> thanks for the ride lady thanks for the ride. yeah um, <laughs> yeah i do love that um but this is over the top good and, and just yeah it just closes it out on this perfect note and even the end rapper is really kind of cool because you get tom savini yeah you get and, to see uh, tom and the other guy who was on the dock who was he a crew member is he like a grip or something there's some really funny guys from the g&e crews in that documentary telling funny stories but uh the guy with him was another crew member too okay i didn't i've just lost track of which what position he was that's great but they play garbage men who come upon the uh the thrown away the ec comic yeah, thrown away magazine and are kind of picking through it and they're actually they're they're funny they have they're a, really a, funny. a couple of funny lines yeah and we get we get a lot i had forgotten about the voodoo the voodoo doll yeah yeah for some reason that hadn't stuck with me as much but i love that i love i i mean i didn't have these comics but what i had was um you remember boys life magazine yeah i do and i was so in boy scouts so boys I, life uh, yeah yeah same oh wow, so like okay. the back of those magazines always are like you can send away for Order a this seahorse thing. yeah or yeah like, <laughs> right you know or like they're whoopee cushions and sort of like snap chewing gum and all this like yeah slightly you know badly behaved stuff and and it just makes me think of of that you might have seen like a food you know one of those things you cut out and out of a out of an old magazine and send away for and your parents don't even know you're sitting up there with this voodoo doll stab stabbing your dad in the neck it's pretty great it's great yeah no i can relate i, I definitely had boy's life um man it's funny i forgot about boy's life i really did completely forgot about that yeah i read a lot my kid has just entered is one of my son is, is um, just entering that process now. So it's all coming full circle. Like I have to do the Pinewood Derby. Oh yeah. Again. The Pinewood Derby. Right. You remember the Pinewood Derby? Yeah. It was yeah. a race. You'd make little cars and race them. Yeah. But it was always like, you know, you know, your dad doing the work. And in my case, it was definitely my dad in the garage, like, and me having pretended to, to like the do night it. before and, just being up all night, like, yeah, but it. I really remember it, like the smell of the graphite you would put on the wheels and stuff. So it's it's surreal to have it come back around again. And the Pineland Derby, yeah, absolutely. That's great. The next generation. <laughs> Passing of the time. 
Man, oh man. So yeah, that puts us uh, that puts us in there. Um, there we are. I get so nostalgic about it, and like I said, I th- I think it's just it's so nostalgic of the era before without having participated in it, just because of the love and the care of the generation before us and the way they looked at EC Comics and the way they did this film. Yeah. And it, it really is a masterclass in anthology. And we're seeing a lot more anthologies now. I mean, Creepshow is literally back, but we, you know, we have uh, Black Mirror, Twilight Zone keeps coming back, for better or for right. worse. Scare Package just had a sequel. Oh, yeah, Scare Best, Package, was yeah. in London. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a, a real love of this, um, and I really think this yeah. is the best one. There ought to be. I think it, I think it makes a lot of sense, and it was it's important to me. Like I, I'm a nostalgic person. I draw on you know what I think was a uh, you know was a happy childhood, and and uh, but whenever I am losing connection or or doubting something to do with my own work or having a block, like I really try and reconnect with that you know nine, ten, eleven, twelve year old self and and the, the those formative memories of watching movies like this and the way it made me feel um and and i think that's important i think that's at the center of you know what i do and it brings me this is one of those movies that brings me back to the source mm. and just um Reset. yeah it gives me that it gives me that feeling that of sort of like like a wonderment and the, you know the, the naughty factor or whatever or or just the joy of it though and it's fun to be able to see it now through a more adult lens and understand why it stands out because when you when you get some distance from it the the reasons are are really clear that that you know that you never see production design like like this and and other you know other other places where they're doing this kind of material you never see this level of care and i think george romero is you know this fit perfectly his sensibility um, it was, uh, it's just a really, really impressive piece of work and it's fun to see how much fun it clearly was for them to make and what a positive experience it was for everyone. It's not always, it's not always like that with these movies, especially during this period of time. You talk about like the thing, like, you know, the stories of that set, like a bunch of completely drunk people, you know, out in cold environment, like usually it's pretty wild during this time, but George Romero was not one of those like coked out crazy 1980s directors he seems to have been pretty you know pretty steady you can feel that yeah pretty even keel he said it was it was smooth there wasn't there was no there was no hiccups um people went to work they did it they brought their game like we said really powerful performances where they they gave it the care and the love and they treated it seriously they didn't like treat it silly um yeah and yeah they uh it's just it's just perfect they didn't have to wait for it to be discovered in later years either. They had a hit. Yeah, it was which a is hit. also cool. Yeah, Romero said that was his um, his only movie that was number one. Yeah, for a week. Yeah, I would not have guessed that, but that's I know. know. I guess that's telling. Yeah, this is what people people were really excited about this at this moment, and they made you know it's it's funny to think they brought it to Cannes. It's like yeah, we took it to Cannes. Yeah, and sold it to Warner Brothers out of France. I was like, really? That's not what you think about on the french riviera but interesting <laughs> creep show baby yeah maybe all right well andy this has been just just great man um yeah so much fun so oh, much God. fun thank you so much yes. for carving out some time and 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 uh and hanging out thanks for having me this is yeah for supporting you know the support of the work and the interest in the work um 
means a lot and i look forward both to to, to being a, a listener i'm i'm uh i'm a huge fan of your approach and you know i did I, i've been listening a little bit i didn't mention that but i've heard a few episodes and really really enjoyed them oh great thank you so much i'm glad you enjoyed um it. yeah i'm a, i'm a fan and, and again i i um you know i think i think we're like-minded people with some friends in common so i, I expect hopefully we'll be able to hang out properly yeah yeah you're coming uh, you're coming for um yeah Harbinger, right december yes i'll be out, be out in LA. i'll be out in december for uh i think that's sunday the fourth or something and i'm staying through the the fifth there okay great but hopefully i'll be back and forth a lot i mean i lived there for 14 years so i've got a lot of yeah right uh a lot of contacts out there and, and especially after this the pandemic it's like i, I just want to yeah start reconnecting to those roots yeah absolutely i miss it a lot awesome man well yeah i can't wait to meet you in the flesh but this has been just lovely sir yeah and uh seriously great Likewise. great job i can't wait for the harbinger to bow in a couple of months and uh i'm rooting for it thanks man it's, thank you so much it's great